someone who would say to me, I, dude, I am called to be a mega church pastor. You don't understand. I'm called to be, I'm like, that is awesome. You need to do that. I do not doubt that calling in your life. And I wouldn't laugh, by the way, when I said it to them. But I would just encourage them the next step, as you say, how do you get there? You take one step forward. What's right in front of you? Well, the youth pastor asked you to set the chairs up Wednesday night. And maybe take the trap, take the pizza boxes out to the dumpster. It's awesome, man. Can we start there? And most of us don't want to do that. All right, well, welcome to another episode of the Pastors Roundtable podcast. I'm super excited to share this conversation with my friend, Dave Miller. He is the co-founder of Leadership Pathway. They're a ministry that helps churches get residence programs up and started, uh, provide coaching, all kinds of stuff, which we'll dive into in the conversation. But before we get into that, I want to help you take your grilling to the next level. Come on, we all love grilling, and I want to help you take it to the next level. So check out Agami. They've got your meat selection all prepared for you. They've got great stuff, farm-to-table, non-GMO, non-antibiotic, non-hormonal, all that kind of stuff. It's beef, chicken, pork. They'll provide it for you, deliver it right to your door to take your grilling to the next level. That leadership meeting, that family get-together needs some fresh grill meat. So check them out. Go to leadership. Sorry, sorry. go to uh, renewedleadership.org slash steak. Dave, I was about to promote your website there too early. And well, as a pescatarian, you know, it may might undermine your sponsor there. So I <laughs> Well, thanks for joining us, man. I'm super excited to have this conversation. So uh, Dave, he is the co-founder, like I said, of Leadership Pathway. He uh, has served as a worship and creative pastor in uh, Las Vegas, in Kansas, uh, Minnesota, all kinds of different places. And now he uh, helps churches get their residence programs up and running. Uh, he facilitates with churches, consults with them around the nation. Just a great guy, but uh, he's an avid cyclist. And probably his most greatest joy is being called Poppy to his grandson, Jameson. Yeah. Would you Pretty like exciting life, man. I could share my screen and uh, show you a couple hundred photos and some videos if you want. I'm Just sure that's what we all joined this podcast for. Yes. Yes. So. Exactly. Dave, we got to know, man, is it uh, Batman, Spider-Man, or is it superhero or Superman for you? Superman. Um, gosh, I have to pick one. I think so, unless you're just going to be the multiple choice guy. I, I think, I guess, uh, Superman. Of those three, Superman, for sure. Any particular reason? No, because I don't I don't know that I've ever watched any of any of it. But I remember as a child watching the old Adam West Superman, the, the black and or I think it was black and white, at least on my TV growing up. <laughs> black and white because my dad wouldn't spring for the anyway. Um, but yeah, so that was uh, that was Batman. But I think I like Superman. I would fly if I have to pick one. Like who would you, I think I'd want to fly? I think I'd want to be Superman. OK, I got it. All right, so they just you know dive in. You've been worship pastor, creative pastor. Yeah. You've done church consulting. Um, yeah. You are now helping churches start residence programs. So just kind of walk us through some of that uh, ministry journey. 
my ministry journey, I uh, went to be an intern out of college. Did re- you know, I went through a Bible college, but maybe I was ahead of my time back in the day. I still didn't want to, didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. So I took an internship and the guy I was going to intern for quit in like the eighth week and went to Las Vegas to plant a church. And I stayed behind in Kentucky. And, you know, I, I, if, if that's a calling, I don't know, but it's like when you're standing there and no one else is around and they're like, you're the man. And that's how I started my worship leading. I had, I had done a ton of, uh, I would say, producing worship events and being in the band and being the guy that pulls things together, but had never been out front until that moment. And it was, uh, I'm glad there's not video of it. How about that? So, so there for three years, wound up in Vegas at Central, Central Christian Church, a guy named Gene Apple, uh, who was there at the time. So was really part of the fundamental, he had, he had done the, the heaviest lifting of change back in the day, but then was there for the relocation and all of that. And then I didn't go to Kansas or Minnesota, but I did go to Michigan. Michigan, that's yeah. what it was. And uh, from from Las Vegas to, to Holland, Michigan, which is probably metaphorically and in actual temperature, one of the hottest places to one of the coldest places. And, uh, and that, that was difficult. We were there uh, four years and found myself at, a, I was at a church that's closing, I went from Central, uh, which was, you know, if you can't if you can't sell the gospel in Vegas, you shouldn't be in business probably. But uh, you know, and then up to Holland, Michigan, and the exact opposite in every way. And literally, Ryan, a guy says to me, "You want to come help? Come help this church with me." That that's about how it went. And I said, "Yeah, what are we going to do?" He and he says, "We'll figure it out when we get there." And um, literally. That's how it started for me over 15 years ago now. And I thought I would do, I came home and told my wife, this is better than washing windows, which is what I had been doing to pay the bills. I didn't have many bills in those days. And uh, I honestly thought I would, I would travel and consult with churches for six months till we figured it out. And man, that was over 15 years ago. And so I guess I'm going to do this. I don't know. I, I, uh, it's an interesting life and um, it still feels like it did the first month, I think, where you, you're out helping. And I think consulting is, uh, it's, these, it's these wonderful moments of being with a church. And my best days are walking in, meeting new people. I mean, who doesn't love that? Who doesn't love being the answer guy for four hours or three days or something? But then you drive away and it's somewhat lonely and you're the, the solopreneur at home, you know, sitting in the guest room like I'm doing right now. So it's it there's a there's an excitement to it. It's been a, it's been an amazing ride. And yet when when guys say to me, I want to do what you do. I'm like, well, are you sure, man? You sure you want to do what I do? Because I think what you're doing is a lot cooler, which is staying faithful and staying in it. And, things I never did, honestly, that I'm, that I'm still trying to help other people do at this point. So that's my journey. So 50 years old, everything for me has come early in life. And so I became a grandfather last year, live up here in the Seattle area, one mile from my grandkid. I used to laugh at people who would do stuff like that, but we, we held him (laughs) last April and we're like, why are we living in Denver? Let's move next door to Jameson. So that's what we're doing.
and it's That's awesome. amazing. It is. It's amazing. Just so good. Pretty. So your start, uh, I think is like a lot of people, yeah. um, just kind of thrust into it. And so that's kind of the, the, the point of where we want to go today is kind of going back mm -hmm. to those first days and kind of uh, what can we take from those days? And so yeah. there's so many people that, uh, you know, want to go into ministry, but don't know quite what that step looks like, where did, yeah. where does, where to begin. Right. Yeah. So um, what would you say to that young leader that, uh, you know, just wants to get started, wants yeah, to get man. going. What's that, wh where do they kind of start? Look around and find, uh, first of all, a church that's advancing, I would say. And it does, I did not say a big church. It could be a big church. It could be a tiny, it could be a church plant. I don't know, a church that's advancing. And by that, I mean, there are more Christians there or online or something this year than last year. So a church that's advancing and a leader, you got to run, you got to run towards churches that are advancing. And they're, you I mean, I, I think there's a lot of them, but in, in comparison to how many churches there are, there aren't, you know, depending on who you read and what you believe and what's made up on the spot. Like I'm going to make statistics up throughout this podcast. And I think I've read it's 3% or it's 1%. I don't know in this country how many churches are advancing, but I would not spend a lot of time at a church where the baptistry has been turned into a planter or it's got dirt in it and a tree growing. You know, you need to be at a place that it's advancing and it, you may not get paid anything. That's all right. Uh, but you, and you got to run towards a great leader, run towards a great cause. And you got to hang out with lost people. Those three things. And I'm amazed. I've done a ton of work in staffing world with uh, Slingshot, where you are. I'm amazed when I ask him, you know, tell me about the last person you led to Christ. Tell me about the lost people in your life. And they don't have a good answer for that, especially if they're a pro-Christian like me. Like if they've been paid to be at church. I've been paid to be there since I was 19, which will jack you up. That's a dangerous way to live. And... I mean, I was telling you earlier, I mean, two weeks ago, I, I loved to ride. So I went out to the Pride Ride in town, skipped church, went to the Pride Ride, sponsored by Trek, and uh, got the rainbow t-shirt and made some friends, honestly. And uh, they're following me on Strava. I'm following them. We're commenting on each other's Facebook. And these people are way far away from the orbit that I'm running in, you know. And uh, you got to, your heart's got to stay soft for lost people. Or whatever you call them. I don't even I don't even want to get into evangelism and I'm not talking about a theological position as much as I am. Are you around people you don't agree with and who are not chasing after God? And you gotta do that. You gotta to run towards great churches that are advancing and towards leaders and serve. And uh when uh, we deal a lot with these residents, you know, 18, 19 to 24 years of age. And if they're, especially if they're an undergrad Christian university kid, uh, if they're not serving already, and I mean, at a local, if they want to be a youth pastor, but they're not serving, that's always a huge, like you think a piece of paper is going to, you're going to wake up. May the day after graduation, you're going to turn the tassel and have your 
bachelors of ministries from Liberty or Biola or Grand Canyon and Wheaton. And you think that is, you're going to magically flip into something that you have not already been doing with your life. That's a, so I love to tell the freshmen that, but I would, so those three things is what I would say. You got to run towards churches that are advancing towards great, the best leaders you can find. And you, you've got to be around people that rub the fur the wrong way that you don't agree with. Okay, but Dave, I am called to serve yeah. the masses, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I am called to preach in front of thousands. I love so it. So I, I, wh- I got it. That's where I got to start. That's where I got to go. Right. Oh, that's where you got to start. I don't know how to. I don't. I can't help you with that. But there's a mountain. There's a mountain of people that you can go get help with doing that. Uh, you can buy, you can hire people to help you with your social media platforms and, and you can pretend and, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat sad that I missed that curve. And then I'm somewhat thankful because people like me, and by that, I mean, Enneagram threes and charger go-getters, activators, these people that, you know, get pats on the back for being workaholics in their twenties and thirties. We obsess. We, I would have obsessed over that. There's no doubt. I would have been the, I would have been the classic, you know, skip, skip to, you know, YouTube followers and social media platforms. So I'm glad I am glad it wasn't around because I, I would have abused that for sure. So I, so I don't say it as a judgmental thing, really. I just don't know. You know, there's a, there's a tsunami of, of books and blogs about servant leadership. So I would just ask that person, well, how are you serving? How are you serving? You're called to the masses. That's awesome. Um, how are you serving? There, there's occasionally for every LeBron James, right? <laughs> there is LeBron. And there is, uh, especially in baseball, there's some guys that go straight from high school to major leagues. I can think of two. Um, can't think of their names right now. I can think of a couple. There are, there are people who are uniquely gifted and amazing and can just skip and go there. And a guy on my board was working for Kerry Newhoff when he was a sophomore in college in Omaha, Nebraska, living in the dorm of a college that's out of business. You've never heard of it. And uh, he, he, he definitely is just a gifted individual, right place at the right time. And, uh, but most of us, the, the path towards that is, is, is uh, one of toiling and serving and planting and screwing up and mistakes. Dr. Tim Elmore, who's one of, you know, one of my uh, heroes that I read and about generational uh, things, his, his book, Gen Z, which I would recommend. He came out a couple weeks ago. My wife sent it to me. Top 10 things every 20-something needs to experience. And half of them were negative. One was getting fired from a job. I was like, oh, this is good to remember, like how these things are forged in us. Primarily is through failure and heartache and pain. And so if you're called to the masses, that's awesome, dude. We And we need more people in front of 3,000 seat auditoriums with campuses across America. We do. And uh, the pain that comes with that, I would pity any, I would pity anyone to, to take that job. (laughs) 
but but if you're called to if you're called to do that, that's great. Now, what what is the path to get there? That's a different. I'm called to be hot, by the way. I'm called to look great. We'll talk about this later. I saw some of your questions. But getting on the bike, for example, getting on the Peloton and the bike uh, is painful, is difficult. Um, but everybody, we all want to look good. And uh, how you get there is probably going to be everything if you're called to the masses. I think even looking at your journey, kind of similar to mine, is you just kind of start, sure. right? You just kind of start with what's in front of you. And sure. uh, I, I bet a lot of people listening right now are probably at a church of a couple hundred. Um, and be faithful, you know, yeah, be, faithful be faithful where you're at. And um you know, we forget, I mean, if you spend any time at all, like I'm thinking of the podcast, How I Built This, NPR podcast, with Guy Raz, who has talks like this. Today I'm with the founder. Or I have another favorite podcast is uh, Major League Baseball executives, the GMs. And they only talk about these guys in their age 19 to 30, their journey. And you talk about pain and heartache and f like brilliant failure. Most of us, uh, when we fail and lose a job or our church doesn't make it past year four, our world is so small, right? But there are people that go out and raise hundreds of millions of dollars or billions and are public people. And they go, when they go down, man, it is brilliant. It makes, it makes a recent mega church pastor or two makes their implosion look silly. These guys that go out and, and start and leverage everything and lose houses and marriages and the, and the failure of this stuff. And we obsess over LeBron James. We obsess over what's his name that leads Tesla or something as if, as if everyone is just handed this stuff and, and they by age 25 or, but for every one of those, man, there, it, this stuff is forged through trial and error and pain and heartache. And that is, what was the book a few years ago? It, uh, wisdom or no leadership equals change and change equals pain or something like that. I mean, you're just not going to get there without a ton of heartache and pain. So I, I would never look at someone who would say to me, I, dude, I'm called to be a mega church pastor. You don't understand. I'm called to be, I'm like, that is awesome. You need to do that. I do not doubt that calling in your life. And I wouldn't laugh, by the way, when I said it to them. But I would just encourage them the next step, as you say. How do you get there? You take one step forward. What's right in front of you? Well, the youth pastor asks you to set the chairs up Wednesday night. <laughs> and maybe take the, take the pizza boxes out to the dumpster. It's awesome, man. Can we start there? And most of us don't want to do that. I did not. I didn't. And guys my age now and older, we forget in our 20s, we were impossible to lead. We, we were disasters. We, you know, now I didn't get to broadcast it to the world, thank God. There weren't the platforms that an average 20-year-old has today. But we were super impatient. I was super impatient. I just knew I was destined to be on a larger platform and a larger stage. Uh, and that's okay. 
show me that person at, and if they can if they can keep it moving forward, they could be awesome in a decade. But their decade is going to be much different than they think, probably. And then once they get to that platform, anybody on that platform would tell them it's much different than they think. And they probably wouldn't wish it on most of their friends, at least the ones I've been around. So, Dave, what's your suggestion? What's your encouragement tip for that person that feels called to ministry? But right now they're sitting behind the counter at a local coffee shop making lattes mm. and uh, pouring that steamed milk in there yeah. in the, uh, the, the the newest shape, right? So, yeah. but they just feel this call. What What's the, your encouragement there for them? Well, they have to get around. It, it's, it's probably very, very similar to a lot a lot of answers to other questions, I would think. They have to be around truth tellers in their life. Like I meet a lot of these people. In fact, I've got an interview tomorrow morning on a Saturday morning at eight o'clock with one who's a, her resume looks awesome, by the way. Decade in of corporate leadership, coming back from a missions trip, just feels called. I normally ask them, what are you not willing to do? I just, I can see, I'm like, well, tell me about the vision for you. We're in three years from now. I don't want to go too far out. Tell me about three years from now. What are you doing? And I try to get it as measurable and as clear. I don't, I try to get the, it takes 20 minutes to get beyond whatever God wants for me. You know, I'm like, well, where are you living and what are you doing? And if, so we get down to, they want to be employed at a vocationally at a local church. They want to be a youth pastor, worship leader, whatever. Uh, then I usually ask them, what are you not willing to do? Because what we don't, you don't necessarily have to go get a six-figure education with a 30-year payoff to do ministry. In fact, please don't. You do have to serve. You do have to submit yourself to a process, get around truth tellers, will be honest with you. You do have to find some place that wants more for you than from you at first. I would be leery of anyone who can actually get up and speak well because they learned on you actually getting the ball tossed to them to get up there and do that too soon. You know, you have to be someplace that has a developmental plan, I would say. And man, when you, when you get close to these churches that are advancing, tell, tell me about the last three or four people that stepped in here that wanted to do this. Where are they? Right. If they all engaged and they all got divorced or they all have cancer or they all burn out and quit at the 18 month mark, or they did this for a year and then they went on and were a wedding photographer or a social media expert, I wouldn't go. I would find a place that has a track record where the majority of the people that stepped that stepped into those teams wound up employed, employed at a church. That's, uh, that's, it's really all, I don't, I mean, the landfills are full of discipleship materials and ways to make you, help you love Jesus more. And, but if you're saying the vision is, I want to be a youth pastor, I want to be a kids pastor, worship production director, maybe someday I'll preach in, on this platform we're talking about. Well, the good news is uh, every, every town in America, there's a, a church that's advancing, honestly, that's looking for you. Uh, we don't have enough of any of those people. 
So that's the great news. Uh, the downside is the track, the track that you've now chosen, it's, it's worse than baseball. I mean, I don't know what the average stay in ministry is. When you Google it, it, it really hasn't changed. It's either 18 months or three years. And I, everything I read, it's either 18 months or three years. And then my, my own anecdotal evidence of friends and colleagues, it seems to be 18 months or three years. So it, it's a difficult life. It's not an easy, nothing, nothing that's awesome is easy. So you're, you're choosing something that's difficult. It's hard enough to lead in the marketplace where it's obvious what the win is. It's the bottom line profits. It, that's hard, period. Really difficult. Then we add in all of the deeper meaning, kingdom-minded kinds of things that we're dealing with here. So you have to go somewhere where you can learn. And, and I don't mean read books. Books are part of it. It's not the entirety of it. A leader that wants to take you on, who wants more for you than from you. So Dave, uh, the youth pastor listening right now, they've got students in their, in their ministry right now. They're 15, 16, 17 years old. And, um, you know, they went to summer camp. They went forward to the altar call to say, yeah. I'm called to be a missionary. Yeah. I'm called to be in ministry. Um, what's, what do they do? What, how can they help encourage that 15, 16, 17 year old, or, you know, maybe it, there's a lead pastor listening right now and they don't have a youth pastor, you know, necessarily, mm -hmm. but they've got these students that are fired up, ready to go, ready to sure. get, get going. Uh, what's some, well, what's some tips, what's some things that they could do to kind of help bridge that gap? I'd say number one, you've got to give them opportunity. And, uh, we all love big, awesome churches, right? And the downside of a big, awesome church is that, you know, if, if you're in the middle school room, by the way, the middle school auditorium with hundreds of kids, you're not allowed to fail. It, it just gets the fall there is so far. So, so I bet most of our friends, me included, we grew up at a church you've never heard of. And there was youth, there were old fashioned things back in the, like youth Sunday or the Wednesday night youth service. I mean, my, I was, uh, I was a good, bad kid. I was not, the cops never came to the house. Right. But I was, uh, I was a church kid, but was, uh, not the youth pastor's favorite guy. But I could get my friends in trouble. And he, I remember him pulling me out into the hallway. He's like, you've, you know, we were on some retreat or something. And he's eyeballing me like, you could do this with your life. You could be like me someday. And then there was a worship guy, first guy I ever saw in my denomination anyway, lead worship, not just lead songs. And he let me play a lot of bad music and sing a lot of really bad songs through high school. And I, I can't, I mean... I think most listening to this, if they've been in it a decade or more, them or their friends, when you hear, how'd you get into ministry? They tell stories of serving through high school, being a part of it, being on the inside of the stuff. And it is, it is something that we get to do that most, I mean, I guess if you're building houses or something like that, you, you have those opportunities, but I don't know that you get a, opportunity like that when you want to be a doctor or a dentist to actually put your hands on things and really mess things up. No, 
but we have that opportunity so that so they have to be given ample opportunity and then number two they have to be given the room to fail they can't fail you know and the size of church here is everything and and what your boss is saying to you is everything in this conversation and so there's context so no we don't let we don't let the intern walk up in front of a big auditorium and just vomit on the stage when they're supposed to be doing the announcements right we do let the intern under prepare to do that in the kids ministry with 50 kids or 30 or 10 kids sitting there. It, failure, failing forward is one of the competencies we talk about. And we're even at the 90 day mark of the like the official residency stuff that we're involved with. When we're asking, so how are they doing? If all we're hearing is, oh, they're doing great. We love them. That's a problem. To us, that's a problem. You have to be a little in over your head and you have to be failing. And then you have to realize, oh, I can learn from this. They're going to be honest with me. They're going to help me avoid this the next time. That actually can begin when you're 14, 15, 16 years old. I mean, I think of the vacation Bible schools that are still going on. We call it kids camp or the camps across America or all of the youth group retreats that just need somebody to get up there with a bad guitar, sing off pitch and leave the campfire. Why do we need to pay some joker from the Bible college a thousand dollars to go with us? They didn't do that for me. And I bet most of the pastors that are, they didn't, that was their journey too. Uh, so you gotta have room to fail. Pull them into this process. Don't forget First Samuel 3. First Samuel 3, when What's-His-Name was running, like, did you call me? He's like, no, I'll go back to bed. And he does it three times. And he goes, hey, next time that happens, just say, here I am. So what did the voice of God sound like? Well, sound like Samuel, sound like Eli. Uh, the voice of God in my life sound like my youth pastor. And we, we cannot forget to eyeball these men and women, young, young people, 15, 16, 14-year-olds, and say, you should do this. I can't remember where the retreat was that we were on. And I can't remember who the speaker was or if there was a Christian band playing. But I remember Brewster McLeod was wearing a paisley pink shirt buttoned all the way up when he was talking to me. And the wall I was up against was just a white plain hallway of some college somewhere. And it's like it happened yesterday. And then when my music pastor basically looked at me and said, you want, you want to play in the band Sunday night? And I was like, "What?" Are you? and I'm up there like, I'm ready to poop myself. I'm so nervous playing in the, you know, the, the third keyboard that's probably not even in the mix. Right. But he pulled me into it and let me do it. And I spent all night over there setting up for the Christmas, the really bad Christmas productions and, running the spotlights and doing this stuff. I had no business doing it. But you know, 30 years later, I have no business doing what I'm doing now. I have no business being on this podcast. You have smart, I, I whip through your guests. I'm like, what am I doing on Ryan Latham's podcast? So I would just say, you have to have a vision that is stronger and longer than just how great can Wednesday night be? How great can Sunday night be? And I was with a guy at my own church here in Tacoma. 
And he's like, I'm re-, he's just really fretting over what to do with this intern, what to do, what to do with this person. They're coming in here in a, another couple of weeks. I'm like, well, you, how do you know Brian, the senior? He goes, well, I was his intern for a year, and then he hired me part-time. And then I'm like, well, what Brian do with you? Like, huh. I just, he just took me into everything. So if Brian went to make a call on a middle schooler, you were in the car with him. Yeah. What'd you talk about? Uh, everything. Just do that, man. Just do whatever Brian did. What a concept. You don't need an expensive book. Just think about what Brian did for you and go do that. He goes, well, Brian, Brian pulled me into the process and Brian let me fail. There you go. There's life after failure. The Get get the spectacular failures out of the way as quickly as possible, so you know you so you know you can keep walking. That's what I you know youth pastors, uh, all of us who have in the first fifteen years. Let me and, and let me freely admit and confess, I never did what I'm telling you to do. I never did it. It never dawned on me on an average Tuesday to wake up and think, what am I doing to challenge and pull the next generation of churches. No, my butt was on fire. And now there are people in ministry today because uh, they were there with me. I will say that. And there's a whole lot more I could have been more intentional with. I could have eyeballed them, invited them in that I didn't. And then, so it was sort of survival of the fittest and the strongest survive and the bottom two thirds fall out and don't keep up. So I, what my challenge would be is to is to look at the bottom two thirds, not just the ones who are going to be awesome, whether you invite them in or not. By the way, we got to get more intentional with that next ring out, inviting more into it, giving giving more and more ownership away. And again, everybody has a context. Everybody has a boss. Everybody has expectations. What excellence is and what excellence is not where they're serving but we got to hold that stuff pretty loosely in these ways or, you know, anecdotally and statistically what we're doing, we're killing ourselves on this topic. And it's a long, long conversation from 15 years of age to a 29 year old purple unicorn that every church in America wants to hire. It's a long conversation. Um, and obviously what we've done, what I've done and, most of us have done the last couple of decades has led us to this. Our best thinking has led us to this point, right? We need to start more. I had an old preacher of my friend, uh, parent, dad of one of my guys on the board. And we're talking about creating church leader, creating, and he's like, well, I said, we got to get to these, we got to get to these kids early in college. He's like, early in college, this guy's 70 years old. He's like, you need to get to these kids at age 12, man, before mom and dad get a hold of them. Great Christian parents who, uh, you know, ascribe the great things for their kids. You got to get to them then. I'm like, that's a good thought. So we've got to, I, we cannot, uh, we cannot be afraid to eyeball them and invite them in and let them fail. We cannot be afraid to call them to something difficult. We all know, we all know that what we're doing is difficult. And I've had youth pastors say to me, why would I invite the best and brightest into this? And I would just say, because I still believe, man, in all of the things that are going, I still believe the church is the hope. I still believe that. Like, you know, I believe in big brothers and big sisters, and I believe in business marketplace stuff. And I believe in, 
great Christian people being teachers and middle management at Home Depot and all of these things. But uh, we, we can't lose sight of the fact that nothing brings transformation in towns and cities like an advancing church that's putting marriages back together, families back together. And that's why we've got to call uh, mainly the people that could go do anything with their life to go be the next Brian Latham or the next youth pastor or the next senior pastor. So good. Finding those opportunities, those safe opportunities, right? You know, uh, not necessarily giving them, hey, you're going to preach on Sunday in front of the whole church. And that's your very first step. But finding those incremental steps to say, mm -hmm. hey, you know, lead a lead a song at kids camp, right? Sure. Or, hey, there's a Sunday morning Bible study with 10, 10 kids, you know, mm -hmm. 10 junior hires. Why don't you come preach a five minute that, you know, so finding those little opportunities that gradually build. And I think part of it, um, I think the Bible talks about it somewhere about being faithful with little things, right? right. Uh, you know, so giving them those faithful moments to say, hey, steward that moment well yeah. um, and and do that well. And then uh, I, I think for me, one, one of the big parts that you've talked about, too, is coming back and coaching them just as much as we need to be coached that we begin to coach them in those faithful moments. Uh, so Dave, one of the questions I'd like to ask at the very end here, uh, talking about renewing our mind, renewing our soul that we need to continually be filled up in the presence of God. And that's, you've talked about it. Ministry can be tough. Uh, and so a big part of that is continuing to be filled up and rejuvenated. So mm -hmm. for you, what's something that uh, you've, you've kind of leaned into when it comes to renewing, renewing your soul, renewing your mind? Yeah. Uh, the last three years, uh, cycling, and I tell you why cycling I've had like most I've had starts and stops in the gym and uh, starts and stops doing all sorts of things physically. Cycling is one of those things where you can't wear AirPods, can't have headphones on. If you are, you're going to get hit by a car uh, or run over, uh, you know, by a stroller or, or a dog or something. It's just the wind in your ears, and it's uh, to get any benefit, it's at least an hour, and most days a couple of hours out there, and it's pain. It's painful, and I've never regretted at the end of that ride doing it, but most days I still – I'll find something else to do other than get on that bike, and uh, and it centers me, man. It is – it. It, uh, when you can't look at an electronic device, you can't look at a phone, nothing's there to buzz and interrupt, you know, uh, I have a lot of thinking and people are like, um, do you pray? I'm like, well, I'm talking to somebody, uh, you know, sometimes it's me and sometimes it's Jesus, but yeah, you know, probably similarly to sitting on a riding mower or doing something that is just takes you out of what you normally do. So for me, what I normally do is be on Zooms and phone calls. And, and so it's good to just get out and I hate to, I hate to say something as simple as that, but cycling, that's it. Really good. 
Dave, so good. Uh, lots of great information for us to, to think about, to digest. And so I want to appreciate, I just want to say, I appreciate your time mm. and uh, your thoughts here. Um, check out Leadership Pathway. Uh, you can check them out at leadershippathway.org. Um, if you're interested and you're wondering what is that next step for me, they can help you. They can help bridge that gap um, between where you're at and where you want to be. Um, or, you know, if you're a church and you're looking for how can we help people, reach out to Dave and his team there. They're going to help you put together a plan to help bridge that gap. A couple other resources that I want to make you uh, aware of is uh, our YouTube channel. Um, you can look it up at uh, Renew Leadership on YouTube. We've got a couple great conversations with youth ministries uh, about summer internship programs, what they're doing to help students take that next level, providing those kind of safe places to learn, to grow, to fail forward. Uh, also, take a look at episode 45, uh, How to Lead Well in Every Moment with uh, another Dave Miller. Uh, and then take a look at uh, episode 21, Helping Students Find Their Calling with Paul Shorn. Such a good, good episode about helping students know that sweet spot of what God's calling them to do. And also episode 20, uh, success as a bivocational youth pastor with Russ Fair talking about being in the marketplace and volunteering at, at your church as a youth pastor, or maybe getting paid a little bit of a stipend and how to be successful at that. Want to remind you guys, we do have a network of youth pastors online. Uh, take a look, great resources, video content, a lot of inner, inner uh, connection points with other youth pastors around the nation. Go to renewedleadership.org slash network to join. Dave, thanks for the conversation, and we look forward to being with you guys again here soon. Mm -hmm.